Salutations, greetings, and welcome to it. This is Two Second Round Picks in the Fax Machine, a loud booth podcast presentation. I am your humble host, True Story. Thank you for joining us on this journey. In today's episode, which is episode eight, by the way, <laughs> we'll be talking about the Toronto Raptors, man, a team that I have a lot of affinity for based on what Vince Carter was able to do back in them days, right? And the and the gravitas he placed on that franchise at the time when they weren't necessarily the most winningest of franchises that get in and about the playoffs and the try, right? And seeing them get an opportunity in 1819 to luck out on a Kawhi Leonard trade when Kawhi wanted out of San Antonio and then, you know, Toronto get him, bro. And it's one of those things where you're looking at that situation like, oh, snap, bro. That is an opportunity for them. And they capitalized on that. You know, they doubled down, went in and traded for a disgruntled Marcus All to add to that. And they kept going. And in a sense, they, they got lucky, you know, as they ought to. Pardon me. I think the noise is way too loud. We're going to pause on that. Man, just talking for no reason. Apologies for that there. I was just trying to address the noise issue. So we're looking at that saying that's a team that, in a sense, lucked out, right? Where you get Kawhi Leonard and you put infrastructure around him in the Marcus Souls and the likes, and you have yourself a team there. And they went all the way in where, in that, in that run, the Warriors get injuries and Toronto end up being the squad that goes all the way to the finals and wins it, right? So 18-19 ends up being 19-20, and you lose a franchise cornerstone-type guy in Kawhi Leonard, yet you still had somebody who had the potential to ascend to that. It still has in Pascal Siakam, right? Coming off a most improved player, part of me season it was one of those things where you fought last season he was carrying a lot and he did well to carry that ball club right yet coming into this season he may need a little bit more help it may not be Kawhi level help you know thinking that OG Nanobi is going to upgrade right and it's going to get a little bit better than he was last season we pray Fred Van Vliet has re-signed and he looks like their floor court general for the future so maybe you can move on Kyle Lowry for some assets and then sort out your center position with Chris Boucher somebody they like and then you can work from there on the wing, they like Stanley Johnson, a decent prospect for them. You still have Malcolm Miller, you have DeAndre Bambry, Patrick McCall. There's still talent there. You know, Malachi Flynn is a nice player that they got in the draft that they like. Young player. So it's like there's a lot of talent there. You know, Terrence Davis as well. There's a lot of talent there, yet you feel the level of talent, right? We'll talk about like three and a half level players, right? Star level players. Pascal is elevated. You know, we talk about tier levels rather than you think Pascal is maybe three and a half to four now, you know? And then OG can be at a three this season with Fred Van Vliet as a solid three. You need another three and a half to four type guy to complement that squad for, for them to push in the East the way they ought to, right? Because of a 59, with a 53 and 19 record last season to finish second in the East and then lose in the Eastern Conference semifinals to the Boston Celtics. Yeah, they pushed them for three, but you feel this, this squad was a little, this squad could be a little bit better than that. And that's what it's about putting it together. You know, you have Bobby Webster as the GM, Nick Nurse as the head coach, Masai Ujiri as the head of basketball operations. There's a think tank in there that is seasoned enough to be able to get this thing done right there, you know. In the offseason, they did a, a little bit of good business for what they could do. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have too much to do. At the time, I feel their business is still to come because, I mean, the little that they do was, okay, we needed to find help at center. And then they, they did say they went in and tried to get a couple centers and they didn't really get lucky. It's actually touching to think why some of the other centers were a bit better, some of the big guys were a bit better. A Christian Wood, a DeMarcus Cousins, both them signed for Houston, but here's a squad that's ready yet to win that may be that squad. And it's one of those things, I guess, preference to each his own, right? They got Aaron Baines, 33-year-old center, two and a half years, 14M, averages about 7M per year, right? 
11.5 points, 5.2 rebounds, you know, 1.6 assists. He'll give you something there. You know what I'm saying? Alex Lenz, a bit younger, 27 on a one-year deal, 2.2 million. You know, 8 points, 8.8 rebounds, 1.4 assists last season. Again, it's, it's going to be by, by, by proxy. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have Boucher, you're going to have Lenz, you're going to have Baines in the center position, maybe even do... Pascal is a small ball for five. I don't know. You know, it's going to have to be a little bit more creative there unless they really go and get a center through whatever trades that they can do still, right? Resigning Fred Van Vliet was a great move for them because that's their floor court general of the future at 26, right? You know, four years, 85 million, great deal for them because you're thinking 26 years old, averaging 17.6 points, 6.6 assists and 3.8 rebounds, and he's not really playing starter, He's not starting for say sometimes maybe playing starting minutes but not starting yet. I think it's time to elevate him to the starting position on that contract. You have a great point guard to be able to go add other pieces around and build your squad around, knowing that in the in the championship winning squad, when you have a great point guard locked in on a good deal, more often than not you can put even extra pieces around them to actually be able to go forward, right? We saw what the Golden State Warriors were able to do when Steph was still on that 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 scale deal of 14M that he was on at the time, right, due to the injuries because he couldn't sign a max deal, whatever the case was, right? You kind of have that in favor. Fleet, where yes, at 30, he probably gets a super max deal type level because he's that type of production player, right? He can give you a maybe shade under 20, you know what I'm saying, eight assists, five rebounds as a starting point guard. And then you have something special there. Chris Boucher as well at 27, they gambled on him and I think they're continuing to gamble on him because you think two years, 13 million, that's not too bad, right? 6.6 points, 4.5 rebounds, you know. He's, 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 he's seeming to turn the tide and seeming to click for it. It might be one of those late bloomer situations, and that could be the center of the future going down the line, right? Because with the way his game is developing, he can play he can play a little bit longer, especially seeing that he's starting to be able to stretch his game out a bit, shoot the ball as well very well. So it's like there's a lot to work with there. Yes, they lost Sergi Barker and Marcus Sob, but I don't think those are huge losses when you think about a 31-year-old you know, forward and a 30-year-old center who did well for them in the championship winning run, and they moved on to maybe potential championship contending situations in the LA Clippers and the LA Lakers respectively, right? Yeah, you lose the 15.4 points, 8.2 rebounds and an assist from Ibaka, the 7.5 points, 6.3 rebounds and 3.6 times from Gasol and also their play type, you know, Ibaka would give you more spacing on the court, Gasol could give you a little bit of spacing but he'd also be more of a, a, a point center in a sense, right? You lose a little bit of that and you have to change your play type and your play style and that's what it is when you have to transition down the line, right? So it's like, when we looked at it and we said, okay, now it's time to consider moves for the ball club, right? <laughs> I thought to myself, you're going to have to get real creative here, Truy, because this is a team that is on the cusp of something maybe potentially special if they swing it right, potentially special yet again, where they have a Pascal Siapu about to ascend into his peak, OG Anunobi, you know, Fred Van Vliet. There's, there's a core of something special there that you could add a little bit nice to, and down the line you'll still be able to potentially add some nice things to it, right? You know how it goes with us. It's like three team trades are the wave right now because of how salary is now becoming, is becoming tricky when people have signed their free agents for the summer and the draft has occurred, you know, like play, playing on the trade machine is not as easy as it was early on and, you know, in the offseason. So it's like the three-team trades are coming up a lot more and we cooked up one where Toronto would have to get on the phone with Chicago and New York and, and offer some assets to get some assets back, you know, and that's just the name of the game, right? I thought you need a scorer, 
Because Fred Van Vliet doesn't have to give you necessarily 20 points if he's in a team where he can give you 10 assists because there's other scorers on the team. OG can score a little bit. Pascal is your scorer. You can get maybe a secondary scorer and not have to rely on Fred or OG to be those guys. They can maybe potentially be your third and fourth guys. That's a potential championship winning team or contending team at the very least in the East, right? Zach Levine came to mind yet again as somebody we've discussed on the show because of 25 a 6'6 guard who had played a little bit of point last season and you still see his game expanding to still be more of a combo guard playing at the two. Next to a guy like Fred Van Vliet, that would be an amazing combination because you can move OG and Inobi up to the three with Pascal at the four. And by proxy center, you still have a team that defensively is sound yet offensively has a lot of firepower. You can beat them in different ways. You can play through... You can play through Fred bringing the ball up the court, going to the first option, which is Pascal. Pascal not having something to drive. He kicks out to Zach. If Zach doesn't have a shot, he drives, kicks out to Obi. Obi can hit an open three or recycle to Fred for an open three or maybe Pascal who's repositioned for a three. There's a lot there. You can play through Zach. You know what I'm saying? Literally have Zach bringing the ball up the court and Fred off the ball. And then Pascal can still be your first option, but now they have to guard Zach Levine different to how they guard you know, Fred Van Vliet. That is just so much more to think about, bro. So, like, two years, 19.5 million per year is a great deal for what is potentially your second star. Because you have time to play him into that position and re-sign him on a 20, 22, 23 million deal long term. And he'll be comfortable in that knowing we have a potential chance to win. I can grow with Pascal and we'll work this thing out down the line. He's still 25 years old. He can get another deal where he can really cash in down the line as a embedded now, you know, Toronto Raptor. You know? 25.5 points, 4.8 rebounds, 4.2 assists. Yeah, he got a lot more of the ball. You're thinking off-ball, that Zach Levine can comfortably give you that 23, 5, and 5. Off-ball, I think he can maybe even go up in points, right? Because he's playing off of Pascal Siakam, who is not a selfish player. He's not a ball stopper in that regard. If he doesn't have a look, he can go. He's also used to maybe playing off somebody else where if Pascal doesn't have a goal, you can play off Zach and Pascal can still be like a second option to Zach's. First option, right? Getting Austin Rivers from New York, who was traded via the Houston Charlottes, will be a great pickup as well because he's got a three-year, $1.6 million deal with great backup guard, especially for Fred Van Vliet and Zach Levine and them in that position, right? 8.8 points, 2.6 rebounds, and a shade over 1.7 assists a game. It's a great get-back, especially considering what you're going to have to give up in this trade because you're always going to have to give up something to have something nice, right? Chicago would have to get Norman Powell at 27, 6, 3, two years, 10.8 million per. Great contract for a guy averaging 16 points, 3.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists, and not starting. Because in Chicago, then you get another quote-unquote project guy. With Zach Levine, you had tied on that contract. You had to win on the timeline that he was on. With Norman Powell, you can rebuild on the timeline that he's on and still build up Laurie Markinen and then you can re-sign them. You know, you still have Wendell Carter, see what you can do with your draft picks still, and then get some draft picks back as well. Because giving up Zach Levine wouldn't come cheap, right? You're getting somebody who can at least physically play in that position and still continue keeping you in that conversation of you're not an all-the-way bottom of the lottery team, yet you're still allowed to give your guys Wendell Carter and them as well. Young guys, time to grow, right? Cool. Get the 2021 first-rounder from Toronto. The 2021 first-rounder from New York via the LA Clippers and the 2021 first rounder from New York via the Dallas Mavericks. 
those are three picks that on the surface aren't great picks. Yet if you're Chicago and you end up with the 10th pick maybe, and you have three other picks that end up being maybe 18, 19, 20 there, another one in the early 20s, another one in the mid-20s, and late one there, 30s, and the 2023 second rounder from Toronto, you have enough assets there that if you want to go try move a piece out there that you like, that you want to rebuild around that timeline, you can package all those picks who maybe, you know, will be better than those picks. And we can be potentially better than those picks right now today. Go get yourself somebody who fits your timeline right now using those picks and those assets, right? Instead of having to rebuild around Zach Levine's timeline, rebuild around your own new timeline. Or if you want a young asset and dislodge somebody or maybe a veteran leader who's going to come in and grow with these guys, whatever the case is. Zach Levine was on, I'm now ascending into an all-star potential superstar guy. You didn't have the resource or the wherewithal to put guys around that because your young guys were not on that level yet. And to trade all those young guys away just to put pieces around Zach Levine, it's not something you were inclined to do or perceivably we haven't seen you do, right? We can get conversations down the line in the, in, the, in, the Chicago, in the Chicago podcast, but we haven't seen them do those things, right? So now getting these assets, it's like, okay, cool, bro. Either you want to rebuild down the line, go into next year's draft, highlight a couple guys that you know will probably fall in the draft because it's going to be a stacked draft yet again-ish, probably more stacked than this year, in a sense. Everybody's talking about it. So it's like, have some picks for the next year's draft. Knowing Toronto would take Zach Levine this year, knowing going into this season, they would have their two guys. And a backup guy in Austin Rivers, that's great. In that trade, Toronto would have to give up Kyle Lowry because that salary would be tough to take, right? Keeping Kyle Lowry's one-year $30 million. Knowing that you've already given up a couple assets, it's safer to say, give up Kyle Lowry in a situation where Kyle is also benefiting as well. At 34, he's already got his ring. To go into a situation where he can be a veteran mentor to a potential greater team down the line or great team down the line in New York. You know, we saw Chris Paul go to Phoenix and he's potentially going to be in a team that could be great right now. And that's great for him. Kyle Lowry being in New York could potentially turn the tide for those young kids in New York where they have good young players, bro. They have great young players and for them to get someone like Kyle Lowry in that dressing room, it would change everything. So for the 2023 first round of from Toronto and Kyle Lowry, New York would be squire, bro. They would be quiet because you're thinking all you had to do was give up Austin Rivers, take back salary and a guy that you could actually use right now, give up one of or two of your first round picks, which were via the LA Clippers and via the Dallas Mavericks next season, which you know won't be, they won't be lottery picks by any stretch of the imagination, right? So you actually winning. I think, if you know New York Knicks as well. And that three-team trade, I like because everybody wins. Chicago gets assets they can go use future down the line, even if it's just next season. New York gets assets that they can use this season in Kyle Lowry. Bro, Toronto gets what they really, really need right now, which is a secondary playmaker, secondary scorer, plus bench scoring as well after losing Norman Powell. So they get Austin Rivers and Zach Levine. Why, bro? Why, bro? Like, real talk. I thought to myself, yo, I'm pretty chuffed with the work we done did, shawty. No lie. <laughs> and I sat there and I said, yo, some people may say, Zach Levine, great compliment for Pascal Siakam, but Chicago may not want to do that business. Yeah, you, you're giving New York something that they could use, but Chicago may not want to do that business. Is there a team maybe where you can get adventurous and go in for a guy that they're more inclined to move on and then engage New York on giving up a piece 
that they like, but yet they wouldn't mind moving on from, so that they could still get the Kyle Lowry factor in their squad, right? Okay. <laughs> now we're going to have to get creative, shawty. I was like, all right, cool. Cook up the trade machine, bro. Fire it up, bro. I'm cooking something nice. And it was like, there we go. I think I have it, bro. Because Buddy Hill in Sacramento is somebody who's going to be a trade conversation piece for a while until he gets traded, right? When you look at Buddy, you like, Sacramento went in on that. They try to pay him with the Aaron Fox. On paper, it works. Yet, I think, on paper, again, you start to see the shortcomings. Before you even see it on the court, you know, is who does the bulk of the defending. Because Shivano, Buddy's not the greatest defender. And De'Aaron is a better offensive player than he is defensive, right? It's safer to say, moving on from Buddy after drafting a bit better and being able to compliment yourself for Sacramento in that position. And down the line, if you have to go get a two-guard or a backup guy or, or somebody who can guard for De'Aaron in that sense, quote-unquote, and build your squad around that, knowing now you have a direction, that's great because you were paid into Buddy at four years, $24.4 million. Toronto could use a Buddy Hill when you think of Buddy minus the, quote-unquote, playmaking that we've seen... Zach Levine exhibit when he's had a chance to play at that level. He's still playing and giving up similar numbers to what you would think a Zach Levine would give up in that situation, put up in that situation playing next to a, a ball-dominant point guard like De'Aaron. So playing next to Fred Van Vliet as the second option to a Pascal Siakam with an OG on an OB still on the wing to be able to still knock down shots, you have more spacing and you have Buddy being more of a second option, which I think at his age, you would benefit from being something like that, a second or third option on a, on a good ball club. Because he's got the potential to be a knockdown shooter and a microwave scorer when he's in the right, it's the right situation and right fit. For Toronto to do that business, I thought it's a big gamble, right, taking Buddy Hill's four years, 24.4 million. You'd be incentivized to do that if you were able to get somebody who sorts out your center position so that your roster's filled out now. On guys who are on the same timeline age-wise where it's a winish now window yet, they're still young enough to have this window open for the next five, six years. Julius Randle came to mind on New York. Because next to Pascal, I don't think Julius feels like he's playing center as much as it is an extra power forward on the court. Because, you mean... Pascal's going to guard, he's going to rebound, he's going to defend well, he's still going to score. You as Julius are now just a defensive anchor. At 6'8", 26 years old, you can play that small ball power forward, starting and play it for your whole career in the team where it works for you. It works for you there in Toronto, I feel. Two years, 18.9 million, not a bad contract at all, thinking Julius Randle, 19.5 points, 9.7 rebounds, 3.1 assists to 26, playing center. He can give you around those, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes some nights go off for about above 20, but rather you're seeing him as a guy who's giving you a double-double, 15 and 10 with four assists. Mm. Next to Buddy Hill at 27, who's currently averaging 19.2 points, 4.6 rebounds, three assists. He can come in as a second option and then he have that uptick, right? and average you that 23, 24 points. That five rebounds, five assists, four assists there as a second option. He can get, 
a clean five assists per game just kicking it out when he doesn't have a look if he's the second option and he kicks it out to Fred Van Vliet or OG Ananobi to take an open three. He has an easy assist to Julius Randle down the middle when Julius Randle's open. When he plays it to Pascal and Pascal does his thing, that's an assist. He'll do well. I like that squad, bro, because I'm thinking New York's still getting Kyle Lowry. Like, we, we don't have to say more. 19.4 points, 7.5 assists, 5 rebounds a game. Stealing yourself for Corey Joseph, who's a rich Paul client. So, two years, 12.6 million. I was like, wow, how did Corey get that deal? I'm like, shout out to Corey. He's a great backup piece in New York, right? 6.4 points, 3.5 assists, 2.6 rebounds. For that next two years, you have yourself that guy who's there with next year. You can maybe even trade him to a team that wants to have... You know what I'm saying? A, a, a trade, a salary cap fill, or whatever the cap, the straight may be in a salary dump type trade. Yet you also make nice with Rich Paul. Because <laughs> when you look at that New York squad, bro, you like you have young pieces where you could benefit from a a good free agent or even a Rich Paul client coming there with that veteran mentorship down the line. You'll get that in Kyle Lowry now for the next season or two, right? A 2021 first-rounder from Toronto and a 2025 first-rounder from Toronto, you will get picks that you can work with to fill out the roster. Yet in Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, Kevin Knox, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, you have a young core that throwing Kyle Lowry into that mix, like we've been said in the previous trade, dog, it's literally the perfect, it's the perfect solution, bro. To what's going on over there, you can literally see you know, Kyle starting, quickly starting, Woodbury starting, Woodnock starting, Toppin coming off the bench, or Knox coming off the bench with Robinson and center, whatever you want to do there, you have so much versatility. You can even start the kids and play Kyle off the bench, and he's just a veteran on that squad, right? There's so much more maneuverability in that squad, bro, and I feel New York can benefit from that Kyle, Kyle Lowry veteran leadership. We're not going to say it anymore, so that's what it is. This trade was necessary for New York as well. Giving up Julius Randle and getting back all these assets, I don't think is a bad look for them because you were looking for a good trade for Julius Randle. Why not get something that gives you a value, you know? In Sacramento, you're thinking, okay, giving up Buddy Hills, you would have to get assets back, right? Right now, you're on a timeline where you have players, right? We talked about them saying you drafted Tyler's Halliburton. It's a good player for you to be able to play next to De'Aaron Fox in the backcourt, and he's got more of the size to be able to guard for De'Aaron. You still have Marvin Bagley third, Adding more, I guess, shooting and more playmaking around that, knowing that De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are your guys, but you want to burn them out, play them 40 minutes every single game, but you want to be able to still be a contending ball club in that regard and have some picks down the line to be able to work with. Getting Norman Powell at 27, we spoke about him in the Chicago trade, you know, a great player for you to get now, two years, 10.8 million, a nice backup veteran guy who's won at that level as well. He's a great little foil for De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, can take the ball and continue to score for you. Patrick McCaw is a guy I like as well, where we saw him in Golden State and he had the unfortunate injury post that and ended up in Toronto in a situation where he's still trying to find his feet. I think coming to Sacramento would be great for him at 25, 6, 7. Again, a guy you can maybe play as a two guard if you want to compliment De'Aaron in some positions and maybe help McCall defensively and help him there because the shot we all saw was potentially there. One year, four million, you can see what you do with that. Frank Antilikina is a guy who I think Sacramento could benefit from getting in this trade because he could potentially be your guy next to De'Aaron where Tyrese can maybe play three and Frankie Smoke can start 
next to De'Aaron and he's your defensive guy and then he can work on his offensive game down the line. One year, one, one year, what does 6.1 million, you will be the team that pays him. Once you trade him, maybe you get into those bird rides. I'm not as certain how that's going to work in that trade. You can maybe put yourself in a better position down the line where you have De'Aaron, you have Talis Halliburton, you have Marvin Bagley, all lottery guys that you drafted. Complement them with some more picks where... Toronto's 2023 pick, you don't know what that may look like if the experiments don't work out. 2027, definitely, you know, Toronto, you don't know what that may look like. Again, those could be picks that you want to package and get something down the line for you guys to package with De'Aaron and Tyrese Halliburton and Marvin Bagley, right? And whatever you get out of Patrick McCaw or Frankie Tilakino or even Norman Powell. You know, I like that whole situation for all the teams involved, thinking... New York wins yet again, knowing you also have guys that you drafted very well in. You know, you, you stole Emmanuel quickly at the 23rd pick, who I think is going to be a great player for you. RJ Barrett, the third pick, was a great pick for you a couple a year ago. Kevin Knox a couple years back with the ninth pick, not so bad, because you can still get production out of that. Obi Toppin is going to be great for you with that eighth pick. Um, Mitchell Robinson was a, a second-round pick, but he's, he's producing like first-round level. So you're realizing there's a nucleus to work with there in New York. Adding Kyle Lowry to it will be great. Get for Toronto, Julius Randle, Buddy Hill, bro. That's a steal for you in the trade. That's like free agents coming to you right now. So it's like just to, to cap it off, man, I think we did pretty well in the trades. Not too, not too shabby, hey, Naj. Um, the depth chart would look a lot different, and I like that feel of Fred Van Vliet now as a starter in the point cook position after the first trade, right? Knowing that Malachi Flynn can elevate into being the backup point guard there by him. Young player, compliment Fred Van Vliet, and that he can shoot and learn to you know, be more of a facilitator for that ball club, especially the second unit where he'll have a little bit more to work with. Zach Levine at the two position with Austin Rivers as a backup, Terrence Davis still there, you have a little bit there, bro. OG and be pushing up to small forward, Stanley Johnson as the backup there, Pascal at power forward with Randy Hollis-Jefferson, like Young Boucher there with Lennon and Baines. You'd have something that could push you at the very least to still being in the playoffs in the East, right? Because you know at the very least you'll be a fifth, sixth seed in the East, maybe, right? I think you could probably even push to being a for third seed when you push with a Zach Levine and a, and a Pascal Siakam as your two guys. Yet you probably still wouldn't win further than the second round, which is where you got bounced last season in the semifinals. So making a move like adding a Buddy Hield, adding a Julius Randle, that puts you in the conversation where I think you might sleep a peak. Like, you are really the sleeper for, next, for the season where if you do that type of business or you do that business exactly, no cap, bro, I see you having enough to take down Milwaukee. I see you having enough to take down Brooklyn if they don't get hardened. Because even in Milwaukee, you think Giannis can be accounted for with the squad. Drew Holiday can still be neutralized with the squad. Chris Middleton can be nullified with the squad. And you can still outscore them. Ditto for Brooklyn if they don't go get help. Miami will be a tough out for you if you still beat them on talent alone and heart alone. That's, that's the squad, bro. Fred Van Vliet is your starting point with Malachi Flynn as the backup. Buddy Hield is your starting two guard and your second option with, with you know, Terrence David as the backup. OG and Anobi at the three with DeAndre Bambury and Malcolm Miller as the backups. Pascal Siakam at the four with Randy Jellificent as his backup. Julius Randle at the center with Chris Boucher as the backup. You have a squad, bro. And there's a different level of tenacity in the squad where I feel like 
there would be a level of heart where you wouldn't beat that squad on any given night because they would turn up at the very least. Fred Van Vliet has that play type and that mentality in him. But he had always had that outwardly it appeared you'd feel like it felt like he had to be in a situation where they would be winning consistently because he'd ever sometimes just look like he's going for his numbers now because the team is not doing so well yet him going for his numbers was him trying to catapult the team to something OG and Anobi's got heart and determination but Siakam has got intestinal fortitude too Julius Randle also always had that heart about him and just needed to be in a situation where there was winning happening where he could account for that and, and stand up on his own and you know and, and be and be accounted for bro and show the case that he's a talent as well, right? Being in a situation like this, bro, I think would be great for all these players. For Buddy Hield, for Julius Randle, for Fred Van Vliet as a starter, for OG starting at the three. Pascal would also have now, when he looks in his dressing room, he has guys we can trust, bro. Because you can literally see any one of those four guys breaking out and being a potential all-star in the East, although we're not going to have the all-star game based off performance alone, that somebody in there is going to have to now step up and give you that 23, 24 points a game next to Pascal. It could potentially be Buddy as you're ideally seeing it in the trade. Yet if Fred Van Vliet is going to be that guy as a starter, then Buddy is great as a, as a shooter who's going to defend a bit at the two position. OG as a backup, you know what I'm saying, shooter type guy on the wing, yet 3 and D guy straight up. Julius Randle can also potentially give you some points where he can give you that 21 22 points if he's maybe your secondary guy and those other guys are having to give you 18 17 and 15 along those lines right you have a ball club bro because i think nick nurse, nick nurse could coach any one of those starting units into the playoffs yet that start the second one bro that second one i think he could actually win another ring with so or could rather win Toronto a second ring, a second ring with. So it's one of those things where life after the rapture wasn't so easy for Toronto, you know, because it like it blew up in their faces where you luck out on Kawhi, and then the Golden State Warriors have an injury crisis, bro, and then you win a ring, and you're sitting in a position where okay, now it's like continue and, and, and build from that. You lucked out on not just winning a ring, but you also realize you have a superstar player in, in Pascal Siakam. Then you get a a potential you know, three-star three, three guy in, in, in Fred Van Vliet where he can excel into a three-and-a-half, four-star guy as his career progresses because he's still young enough to do that. OG and Anobi as well, three-star guy who can excel into a four-star guy, maybe even four-and-a-half-star guy. You know what I'm saying? You have a lot there to go get you some of these pieces, a Zach Levine, a Buddy Hield, or a Julius Randle. You know, the combination thereof or any one of them, I think that does a lot for you. So a lot of that business, bro, was just us trying to say, we're trying to make sure that Toronto is in a position where they're competing years down the line, bro, and maximize the timeline that Pascal is now on, the timeline that Fred Van Vliet is on, the timeline that OG and Unobi is on, and the timeline that that ball club is on, you know, because still the light's still on for them, you know what I'm saying? The lights ain't off in that institution. So shout out to the Toronto Raptors, man. We're trying to just do a little bit of business to get y'all right for the season, man. Um, thank you for joining us yet again. This is Two Second Round Picks in this Fax Machine, a Loud Booth Podcast presentation. I am your host, True Story. Please like and subscribe, rate and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. Let us know what you think about the trades and all that, man. Above all else, stay safe, stay sanitized. Peace.